guys. It's not anywhere in the book. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to That's Not in the Book. I'm your host, Agent X, and I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Please remember that no AA member, including myself or any guests that I have in this show, speak for AA as a whole. The only aim of this podcast is to be helpful. Um, I'm here today with my guest, Hank Parkhurst, who... All right, just tell me. He's the guy who wrote to the employers, right? One of the yes. best fucking chapters in the book. And <laughs> I say that because I feel like that chapter of the book is the one that describes working with others the best in a perfect world, right? In a perfect world. Do you know like the vision for working with others or um to the employers is like that every company in America would have a Alcoholics Anonymous book and that every employer read through it. And like, this is how yes. we're going to delicately handle the alcoholic, which is really funny because it's such a self-centered, like it's so narcissistic to think that all the employers should just understand alcoholism and just, you know, give us multiple chances, but then send us on our way. Was Hank... Tell, tell me the story because I love people who can understand all the stories and then remember them. Because I've heard all the stories. Yeah. I just haven't registered them in long-term memory. So he's an alcoholic, but he's also like a business owner, right? Yes. Yes. He was a business owner. Uh, he was one of the first 77 or however many it was, first 100. Um, I think, I think, why it was did you say 77 is the number 100 I heard wrong? that it's, it was actually 77 and not the first 100. That's what I've just heard. I, I love this shit. I love this shit. I do. I get <laughs> so excited. We are 100 men and women who have recovered. It was actually 77 or like 75 is what I've heard. Dude, that's so good. I love I that stuff. One woman. I think it was just one woman and 77. Well, it was Marty. Men. Marty man. <laughs> yeah. Marty man. Right? Yeah. Who you yeah. at home personally live with, strangely. <laughs> <laughs> Marty is actually my arch nemesis in AA because she has, she's the one who decided to sell the disease aspect of alcoholism, mm. saying that it's a medical disease. And here's the reason that I just hate it is because like medical doctors can't treat alcoholism. There's no, there's nothing there. Medical doctors don't treat spiritual maladies. I don't know. Right. So holding on to the f saying I have a disease, I feel like victimizes an alcoholic. I have an illness and it says that multiple times, but it says that I have a spiritual disease. And that's the only time that word's used in the book. So Marty went out and she fucking broke her anonymity everywhere. And she's like, we have a disease. So I'm like, I'm like, fuck, Mary kill. I'm killing Marty. I'm sorry. I'm just taking her out. <laughs> Even though she's probably the only reason that I'm here. And I'm like such a wildly, uh, I'm on her side in so many ways. I guess she was a lesbian. First of all, fucking right on 1935. Right on. They would have just murdered her. You know what I mean? Yeah. They would have yeah, just, yeah, yeah. They, there was no hope for us back then. And it's, <laughs> it's amazing. So I guess I should probably maybe fourth. Step have, you heard of the, have you heard of the Marty man test? Well, yes. And okay. I give it to people. So Same what? The, yeah, <laughs> all the times, right? So the Marty Man test is if you don't know if you're an alcoholic, you have two beers a day for like two weeks or something. Yeah. yeah. And if you if you can do that, you're probably not an alcoholic. 
I would right. rather fucking die. Wouldn't yes. you, Hank? Yes. Just even suggesting it. And so I get a lot of um, like gasps, like pearl clutching when I'm like, oh, yeah, if you don't know you're an alcoholic, you're going to drink again anyway. So let's, you know, yeah. set it up. Fine. Let's tell your spouse. Get him on the call. Hi, I, I know that you believe your spouse is an alcoholic, but he's telling me that he doesn't think he is. So here's what we're mm-hmm. going to do. You're going to give him two beers and that's it for the night. Then you're going to go watch a movie. Okay. I want to see if you're how you feel inside at the end of that Netflix movie. Tell me how you feel, okay? Because <laughs> just the thought, if you were to tell me like, Agent X, I have two glasses of rosé for you, and that's it, I would rather I would rather cut my Porter. stomach open. Yeah. <laughs> that is our Guantanamo Bay, right? Right. Sounds horrible. It's a nightmare. Okay. So the more I talk shit about Marty, the more I realize that that's... <laughs> That's really off base, actually. <laughs> so Hank Parkhurst, he has he's one of the first 77. He wrote to the employers. And then, yes. and then I actually think he he struggled a little bit. And I think I think he went back out and I think he got a resentment or he got frustrated with Bill because he was trying to Fuck Bill his was wife. also trying to write the chapter <laughs> as well. Yeah. Yeah. Who hasn't? I think he was, they were both trying to write the chapter. I don't know the specifics, so I don't want to get like, I don't want someone to reach out to me and correct me if, yeah. if I'm wrong. Well, actually you can, but I think he caught a resentment and he, he went back out. Right. Um, but he was one of the first 77 or so and wrote a good portion of that chapter, or he consulted Bill on a good portion of that chapter. So. Well, I have a a guest on the show who I didn't know who came from a bunch of the people in New Orleans who you also know. And he explained to me, he's just a AA historian, and he was explaining to me how Bill consulted somebody else as well. There's there's a couple people who not everything in the book is is Bill's. Even the stuff that I, I right. literally thought was Bill's message to me, Agent X personally, Turns out he didn't even write that shit. And I'm like, what? And now that I think about it, it might actually be Hank is more of a contributor than we think, like that he's actually throughout the book. I wonder how many of the first 77 are actually stayed sober long term till their death. Because Ebby didn't. Ebby didn't Mm -hmm. fucking stay sober. Mm -hmm. And I think Ebby, I don't know if he was ever considered a member of AA because I because he did the Oxford Steps. Um, and he was like in and out so much when the book was being written or, or at least when it was published, but yeah, Bob, for sure. Dr. Bob. Yeah. Lasted. You know, what sucks about Dr. Bob is that he talks about that the compulsion to drink stuck, stuck around for a really long time. And that's always, it's always interesting to me because I don't, if that compulsion to drink wasn't removed from me when it was, I just, I couldn't have like white, I couldn't have white knuckled that. So I wonder if he might have, like, I wonder if he meant something else. I actually wonder if he was thought about alcohol or that that might be a solution for longer. Here's the thing. Somebody said, you know, we were talking about the last time you thought of a drink and someone Mm -hmm. said, oh, well, it's cliche, but I was, you know, it was a hot day and I was mowing the lawn. And mine was like, oh, I was handing out candy, trick-or-treating. That's the last time I thought of a drink. But those are very human experiences of thinking of alcohol. That's actually a, sure. a sane and sound alcohol ideal. <laughs> yes. 
I yes. still have the phenomenon of craving, therefore I can't live that right. sane and sound human ideal. But thinking about alcohol once in a while is actually a human experience because alcohol is enjoyed by humans all over for a variety of reasons. So when right. he says, you know, it didn't really leave him, I'm I'm wondering if it was more just the human thought of of drinking because we we can't go that long. That being said, there's meeting makers who make it for 30 fucking years just white knuckling, <laughs> not drinking. So who am I to yeah. judge? Right. Still having the compulsion to drink uh, would be, it would be very uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, and, and, and to your point, you know, I usually don't think about alcohol until I go to an AA meeting. Right. And, but it's just the thought of alcohol. It's not like the, Oh God, I got to change the way I feel. I, I really want to drink, you know, all this talking about alcohol makes me want to drink. It's just thinking about alcohol, right. The compulsion. I, I, I would imagine that Bob, had that removed and he, and that's what he meant. He was just thinking about alcohol from time to time, but who knows? knows? I know. Who knows? I'd like to know how many people got sober because here's the thing is, (laughs) so me and you met, guess how many years, years ago, two years, years. sorry, I am not two years older than when I met you. First of all, like (laughs) it's weird, isn't it? And I (laughs) I feel like we had a bat signal. Okay. So it came in the form of a recovery meme account, but everyone's like, recovered alcoholics all over the world, unite. And it was a bunch of us who just like came together at the beginning of 2020, March of 2020. We all just came together and we're like, my people, here we are. And the reason that I bring it up is because the program of Alcoholics Anonymous works if you work it. And I know that because... Here the fuck we all are. Not a single one of those people who merged into what was then Black Rhino's little tiny itty bitty meeting of recovered alcoholics. Um, all these people had never met before. All of us had never met. And here we are saying the exact same thing through actions emulated from the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and getting the exact same result. Even if you whittle down who stayed sober, who didn't. I don't know. It works for us. It works for us. And we don't even know each other. And to me, that's a fucking miracle. That's math. That's science. Like, yeah, it works. So did Frank get a resentment? Yeah, probably fucking did. You know, he he also didn't have a bunch of like, other people to keep you on track as much. These 70, 70 people were not all in the same room. Like it was throughout the country. Isn't that right? Mostly. Yeah. I think it was like Akron and New York mainly. They were just separated between those two. And then they started consulting with people through letters once the book was published and they were like other groups started to pop up and they were like telling them how to start a group, how to, you know, how they would go about sponsoring the directions are in the book, so on and so forth. So yeah, I think the first 77 were like Akron, um, Cleveland and New York. So they were spread out amongst within three three places. Yeah. But still, like, I get fucked up some days and I got to see another alcoholic on Zoom <laughs> in like 18 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get yeah. fucked up. I call, like, if you ever are wondering how I am, it's if I'm laying on my closet floor, that happens in recovery. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes I have to lay on my closet floor because life is fucking difficult at times. Yeah. I couldn't imagine back then me, me laying on my <laughs> closet floor 
on my fainting couch, you know, like, right. like Hark Herald, a letter to Hank Parkhurst. <laughs> right. Right. Thank God they had telephones. I mean, without telephones, I don't think it would I don't think worked. it would have worked. Like when Bill was pacing the, the lobby, that story, it's in the second, fourth yeah. second edition. And he's like, he hears the people drinking in the bar and he's like, he's, he's in a tight spot. Business deal fell flat. Rest is irritable discontent, if you will. And then he picks up the phone and he call, he starts just calling clergymen and hospitals. And eventually, I think like the sixth or seventh person he called eventually got him in touch with Dr. Bob. So thank God for phones. We needed like Alcoholics Anonymous or us alcoholics. We needed at least phones before we could actually figure out how to do this shit. Right. <laughs> because, because it was just so difficult up until that point. Um and then, and then I'm sure you're somewhat familiar with the Washingtonians as well. And we all know yeah. what happened with them. So yeah, it's, thank but God. See, for, we for don't all know yeah. what's happened with the Washingtonians. So right. um, this past year, I spent seven months going through traditions workshop, which was fucking uh-huh. incredible. But like the last yeah. thing you want to do in early recovery, first of all, you know, the traditions sound yeah. so boring. Turns out, plot, the concepts. Yeah, well, I'm not even there yet because, like, after seven months, they're like, You want to do concepts now? I'm like, Absolutely not, I don't. However, the, tra- the traditions now are um, the way that I are applied all throughout my recovery and my family. Like, this is how you get along with other humans, is through other humans, is through the traditions, and they're incredible. Um, and so only last year did I really in-depth learn about the Washingtonians, but what they were was another movement like Alcoholics yeah. Anonymous. They were trying yeah. to quit drinking as well. And what they did is they were not anonymous. They brought all the bitches. They got the Tom Cruises in. They got all the celebrities. They got all the politicians. They brought, they're like, come on, this is amazing. And it was a really huge movement, wasn't it? Like, yes, this was a big deal. Yes. And they were on the radio and they were reaching out to people. And, you know, being sober was one of their, one of their offerings. Right. And, uh, yeah, it all fucking imploded because they didn't yeah. have any traditions. Uh, egos got have, uh, they didn't have a primary purpose that's right. that was the big one they were they got wrapped up in just to your point they got ra- wrapped up with politicians they were they were doing like rallies at a like i think abe lincoln was running for office at some point during their inception and they were like showing up to to his rallies and they were like telling everyone who they were too and they started to take sides politically. They just lost sight of what they were doing. Right. Which was initially like, let's, let's come together. Let's not drink together. They didn't really have a program. They just kind of kept each other accountable and they didn't drink together. So they had that commonality there, the common peril, but there wasn't as much of a common solution. So they imploded, just like you said, Yeah, which shows how valuable the traditions are in order for us to continue to operate successfully as like, as groups and as entities um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, in home life and just as alcoholics too. Yeah. The only reason you or I or anyone in 2022 is recovering is because the traditions are in place. It literally is. And when you, you understand the significance and the importance, I, uh, it's like the primary purpose of my life is to uphold them in my life. So, you know, other people in Alcoholics Anonymous, they have the right to be wrong. That's a fun one to learn. Other people have the right to be wrong. Um, But I have to keep my 
traditions tight. I have to keep my side of the street clean. You know, it's the same thing over and over and over. I've placed myself at the center of the universe. I am the motherfucking sun and everybody's rotating around me, you know, in my universe. And I can't stop the rotation of anybody else. I have to just worry about my little surface of the sun over here. But when I do that, when I do that, my little area um, can be a clean place. That's why People come on the podcast and be like, oh, I don't want an alias. And I'm like, oh, I don't fucking care. Because your, your ego isn't important. I do. You know? Holy shit. Please don't find out who I am. Good God. Yeah. Because I don't speak for AA as a whole. Right. You know, there's this set-aside prayer, and I actually heard our friend Clay, not his real name as well, you know, with John Parlicorn <laughs> and, and uh, what's his name? My BFF. That's funny. I actually forgot his alias, and I consider us soulmates. What is this? Hmm. John Barleycorn and Fred. Uh, Fred. 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 Oh, my God. That man is like the male version of myself. When I met him, I was like, this is like the greatest day of my life. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Clay was talking to them about um, the set-aside prayer in Alcoholics Anonymous. Please set aside everything I think I know about myself and God and my illness and all these things. And like, you actually can know things about Alcoholics Anonymous. You can know them to your core. And um, what I call speakers in any circuit, we're just articulate drunks, aren't we? I'm mm. just a fucking drunk who happens to be articulate about yeah. three things. I could give a TED Talk on three things. Animals. I told you, right? Shocking. Food. I bake like a fucking restaurant. And Ooh. Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Now, does that keep me immune from drinking ever again? No, the fuck it actually doesn't. Just because I can <laughs> tell you how to recover and stay sober the rest of your life, just because I've practiced these principles in all my affairs up till today, which is the 10th of April, 2022, doesn't mean that I'm immune from ever drinking again. And right. Agent X can do what the fuck she wants. Agent X can tell you about this. And if Agent X ever drinks again, no harm, no foul. Because I the start out this podcast with we don't talk for AA as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I, I would love to know how many people stayed sober, but my experience is 100% of the people who do 100% of the work stay sober. Absolutely. Here you are. You know what I mean? Here you are doing yeah. 100% of the shit. You are married to an alcoholic. Is that a nightmare? <laughs> no. So we are not married, but we've been in a long-term relationship. Um I need to choose my words carefully here. Yeah, right. Eventually, eventually we'll be married. Um, but it's w- when we met, the the steps had been done. Amends right. were done. Amends, okay. or at least up until that point, amends were done. Eight and nine was done. 10 and 11 had commenced, both carrying the message, right? So it's... You know, we when we met, we were doing all that and it worked and it still works to this day. And mm. because we both handle our shit, we, yeah. we do what we need to do. And God takes care of so much. God handles so much of 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 what happens between us. And it's a it's a beautiful thing. But you know, it's it can go the complete opposite way. Um if if both of us were to stop, we've had this conversation many times. If right. both of us were to if both of us were to stop or we were to have met each other without Alcoholics Anonymous or the principles in AA, it would be a, a complete shit show of a relationship. Mm. So, I mean, we, we, we know 
you know, what is most important as recovered alcoholics, what is most important in our lives. And that's God, right. And God's will for us. And God takes care of everything. Yeah. It's, it's really freaking cool. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could imagine it could be either really hard or really, really (laughs) amazing, but, but that's all long-term relationships. You can't Mm -hmm. just, neither of you can disconnect from God at the same time, long-term that's it. And that's all relationships. You know, if I lose myself too long and then my partner loses himself, we're fucked. But strangely enough, it's never happened. I've been with my husband for 14 years. Like Mm. we've been through a lot of things, huge things in 14 years, you know. And as long as one of us isn't falling apart at the same time the other one is, it's okay. And, you know, it all works out. You're right. God is the director of this whole show. And if I wouldn't have recovered um, my marriage wouldn't have lasted because yeah. I was abusive. So that wouldn't have been okay. But um, yeah, today, today I know that, that there is no choice except to have God run the whole marriage. Like you have to do that. So, yeah. you know, you neither of you really look like alcoholics. You both are so <laughs> like, <laughs> normal. I know I, we look like Mormons. You know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I laugh loud enough that it's true. <laughs> yeah. That's I could awesome. find some of my old mug shots. Um, I, I looked really? a lot different. Oh, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. I love it so yeah, much. It's amazing what not drinking, you know, can do for you. Just as a baseline, not drinking. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we may be still mentally very ill if we just stop drinking, but like physically, yeah. we stop doing a lot of that chaotic shit. So yes. getting an alcoholic off the road, number one, is actually yeah. a benefit to the world in general. But yeah. For me, I just could not stay sober. I couldn't do it, even though knowing who I was, alcoholic, you know, the mug shots weren't enough. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to see what we're reading about. It's somewhere around your sure. inventory. Um, it's pretty, it's funny. So every time I've had the, had a podcast episode, I never know what we're going to talk about. Never. And I never actually know what I'm going to say either. It's kind of like when you do speaker talks. You don't, mm. I don't know about you, but. I just pray and then speak, right? Yes. And yes. so it's funny because <laughs> my husband said, it finally pointed it out that every time I have a speaker talk, like I'll walk out of the room and go, oh God, I don't have a single fucking thing to say, you know? And he goes, you've been saying this for years. Stop it. It all turns out fine. But it's right. the same with this podcast. I never know what we're going to talk about. And I'm like, oh, I kind of like, I yeah. like that you approach it that way. Cause I was waiting. I was I was kind of wait, or I was going to ask if there was a template or, and I listened to a few of your other episodes. So I got a feel for kind of like how they flowed. And I was like, are we going to talk about a specific part of the book? I was like, I'm, I'm not going to ask her. I'm just going to show up and see what happens. So yeah, that's all, the best. For them. Yeah. yeah. So good. And then I was like, so I actually had a 12 and 12 here. And I was like, so first of all, our friends, John and Fred fucking hate the 12 and 12. Everyone <laughs> a, hates on the 12 and 12. It's so funny. I'm sorry. Do you have any opinions on the 12 and 12? Uh, <laughs> I like, I like some of it, but it is not, I don't know. It just, I think it, it, it serves its purpose, but I would never recommend it to anyone that is new mm-hmm. um or or anyone who is you know just is not as interested in this i try and get people as interested as they i possibly can in in the big book and the other stuff is great um but i i i don't know something with it it just doesn't 
so there's no instructions in the 12 and 12. Yeah, there's there's no instructions, and it just sounds like (laughs) this is a podcast. He's not taking care of his character defects. This is a podcast on paper. It's just people talking about. So no one's recovering by listening to us, P.S. Like, we're just (laughs) describing. Like, this isn't step work if you're new. (laughs) Right. Right. I know. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it. Every time I hear it, there's so much of it that makes me cringe, especially in meetings. And there's new people in there. I'm just, uh, yeah. Well, so period. It was sitting here on my, it was sitting here and I was like, well, I don't know what me and Hank are going to talk about. Maybe I should just read from the 12 and 12. And I picked it up to step four and I realized I never actually read step four of the 12 and 12 before, but I'm always like, this book doesn't suck. You want to know why? Step six written in the 12 and 12 is actually beautiful. Believe like, I don't know, some Hmm. of the words written in step six, my, it's just a beautifully written line. It says, um, Gossip, a polite form of character assassination, murder. (laughs) No, a polite form of murder by character assassination. I just thought that was like literally beautiful, like as a beautiful way to write. So that's why I'm like the 12 and 12 doesn't suck. But um, yeah, it does. I just picked it up. You can totally read something from that. No, I picked it up looking for a passage we could read out of it. And I was like, this isn't. This isn't accurate at all. <laughs> I, I actually, when I was new, I actually liked it a lot. But but then when I like, you know, eight nine years down the road, I was at. We were actually at a discussion meeting not too long ago, and we were just reading the twelve and twelve. And I forget what chapter we were in, but I was just, I was really having a tough time, like, <laughs> just trying to to wrap my head around what he was trying to say or right. what was the point of it. Um, but no, if you want to read something from it, I'm all good. No, one of our friends explained that the 12 and 12 was brought out as a hope that it would make things more clear and yeah. that we could do away with the doing your steps in the meeting. Yeah. So those meetings that everyone was recovering at were like a back to basics meeting where it was four hours over the course of four weeks where you went to an AA it wasn't an AA meeting. You went to AA classes basically and were taken through your steps one hour a week for four weeks. And then at the end of that, you got to go to AA meetings and your job was then to come back and help those newcomers in those four meetings to their recovery where they were taking the steps. And so the 12 and 12 came out to make everything easier. So we didn't have to do that anymore. Right. Well, fuck me. That didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so our friend actually is like, well, it ruined Alcoholics Anonymous. So <laughs> so we won't read out of that today. Where we are <laughs> is page 68 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So why don't we stick there? Ruined Alcoholics Anonymous. That's so funny. God, this is such a fucking good part. All of them are good parts when you sit and read it with your friends. You know what I mean? All the shit is good. Um, I have like three Agent X edits. One, I don't remember off the top of my head what they all are, but one of them is on page 60. A, that we're alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could relieve our alcoholism. And C, that God couldn't would if he were sought. And I want to add, maybe. Because like you, you don't believe that the first time you get to step three 
right? You don't believe this proposition. It sounds stupid and like a flimsy read, but I'm going to do it anyways because I'm fucking drinking myself to death and you've offered me no other solution. You know, yeah. that's one of my edits. It's good, isn't it? Okay. Every <laughs> Bringing up a conference. Like, I don't even I know took, what that means. I said the prayer with my sponsor on my knees. I was like, what are we doing? And mm-hmm. he was like launching the step four. If you want to have an effect, if you want to understand and feel kind of what you're, we're doing here, go write your four step. And that's what I did. So, and then I had an experience, a third step experience, if you will. Yeah. When though? When? I have no idea. I I, I don't remember. Um, I met probably after I did my fifth step. Yeah. I felt like that's where I, in the book, it says we begin to have a spiritual experience. I I'm like, that's when it's promised. <laughs> yes. So I, I just started to feel like, okay, this, what I'm doing is so contradictory from what I used to do. Yeah. But, but I feel such, such an immense freedom right now. So, and it, but it, but it's so against what I normally would be doing right now or what I want to do. Right. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense, but it's giving me this relief that I've never experienced before. So that's when I kind of realized that, okay, this must be God's will, right. Or doing God's will is not always going to be comfortable, but it's going to, it's always, it's, it's the easiest way, right. It's the way that's going to give me the most um, freedom and just it's, yeah, I, I guess that's driving home from that fifth step. I just felt like, okay, like I've done this work. I'm starting to have an experience. I want to continue to have this experience. So whatever I got to do to continue to have that experience must be step three or God's will. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to continue to, to seek, right. And apply God's will in my life. So the 12 steps are evidentiary process. Like you get evidence yes. by the action and it's not preceded by evidence. You get, you get action after the step, you know, right. and nothing happens at step three. It's not supposed to, <laughs> it's just like, right. it's a proposition at the very beginning. But to be honest, all these years sober, it's still a daily proposition. My daily proposition is, am I going to, be the director today or am I going to let God actually step in just for this day and I'm not being kept sober at a day at a time oh that is my biggest oh fuck it that is not true that is, stop saying that to newcomers like that how on earth have you walked in a room of Alcoholics Anonymous and people are like I just stayed sober 30 years a day at a time but you can't stay sober till 10 comfortably why would you think that that's a selling point like I right. would how would you not assume it means that you and I are just sitting here not let's be sober today. Be sober today. Be sober today. I'd fucking die. Right. Okay. That's not, I'm not yeah. sober day to time. Yeah. Not even One close. minute at a time. Yeah. <laughs> a second at a time. I'm like, whoa, I'd rather die. Right. Right. So my I don't want to have to think about it. How do I get to a place where I don't have to think about this anymore? My little brother, like three days ago, just sent me a picture of his hand with a you know, twenty-four hour chip in it, and it's been a years coming. And oh, you know, cool. yeah, it's a very cool experience, especially watching him know that he's going to die from this as well. But he also, you know, I'm doing my 12 step work by being recovered. That's it. He watched me on my year sober talk about how I recovered, gave him a big book, you know, gave him some numbers that I'm going to be here whenever you're ready. Uh, Is this his first time trying? trying. Yes. Yes. Cool. uh, So cool. He knows the right people. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, so I don't know how to tell you this, but I actually know a lot about AA. Right, right. (laughs) You're actually really well connected here. (laughs) 
seriously. So, yeah. so like when he when he's going to these meetings and he's he I'm not the person who's going to say to help him recover. I'm not, and I know that. Um, but I was explaining to him just last night, like we actually aren't being sober at a day at a time. I don't think of drinking anymore. And it's very hard to explain that to an active alcoholic because I never had that experience of not thinking about other substances. I started mm-hmm. smoking cigarettes when I was 11. Like mm-hmm. I started using men and and drugs and cigarettes. I mean, we're talking as far back as my memory goes. Yeah. I don't know a life before mental obsession about something. Mm-hmm. So to not have a life based on mental obsession is it's like I mean, it's the boogeyman. Like it's something I can't even explain to you because you don't understand that it can exist. Yeah. So we are not being kept sober a day of fucking time. P.S. However, we do have a daily proposition of comfort through step three. Yes. Does that sound right? Yeah. yeah I just made that up. <laughs> 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 no, I didn't. I know. I know that it's true. It says you know we have a a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And it just boils down to, am I going to let God have his will today? Or am I going to fight against that on a daily basis? Because I am so disturbable as a human being. Yeah. So what have we done up until here? Well, we've written, we're on page 68. So we've done a lot of work. Thank goodness. And now, oh, look at this. This is the daily proposition. Maybe I am right about this. We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. One guest took an entire hour to talk about that sentence. We can laugh at those who think spirituality is the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it's the way of strength. Another hour just talking about that sentence. (laughs) The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. All right. I have a lot of, lot to talk about here. Here's why. Um, I am the mother of an active addict, alcoholic at the moment, and uh, I talk about it a lot on the podcast. It's probably boring, except it's fucking terrible. And it's terrible Mm -hmm. for one reason. It's because when you have a child, for a lot of their life, you are one person. You have to be. Those little fuckers can't shop for groceries. They can't get money. Like, I have to do these things. I have to curate their lives. I have to be the fucking director or they die. And then all of a sudden, they decide to be autonomous and make terrible decisions. (laughs) And so um, I always talk about it here because it saved my life is Al-Anon parents. And it's a bunch of parents going through the exact same thing and finding a whole new level of powerlessness. And now when I go out into society and I say, oh, I have a little drug addict who I'm raising. They're like, well, you better fucking march his ass to rehab and throw him in jail and give him rules, boundaries, limitations. And what did you do to cause these problems? And we had this uh, police interaction over the course of three days recently, which was the thing that's ever happened in our family. And I had a sergeant at 3 a.m. belittle me and just berate me and be like, what Mm. kind of mother? (laughs) I was like, first of all, I may be old, but I'll fucking fight you, sir. Second of all, (laughs) I am not stronger than alcoholism in other people. So what is that? How old is is he? 16. Fun age. Uh, Oh, it's so fun. I'm having a blast. Kill me. (laughs) How are you at 16, Hank? 
Not well. I was just about to drop out of high school. Yeah. Uh, had been arrested once by that point. What? Yeah, just wasn't focused, wasn't. Have I was you suffering. made an amend to your mom, first of all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually knocked out a lot of my family at a barbecue uh, in Texas. Uh-oh. People it's know okay. where I live now. In Texas, I know. Uh, we have barbecues, yeah. and my whole family was there, and I just knocked them all out, took them aside, did, did the sh- my spiel. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, I talked, my mom, she calls me for advice sometimes today. It's really, really strange, but yes, of course I made admittance with my mother and she yeah. deserved it. I have a <laughs> older brother who went to prison. I got a older sister who is a heroin addict. So my dad, my dad actually goes to Al-Anon wow. and he's doing, you know, he, he loves Al-Anon. And all us kids are are okay now. When, you know, my sister she does do twelve step stuff, but she she also does suboxone. So I mean, there's you know that that's a whole another issue that I really yeah. don't want to get into. Older brother's doing good, got a career, you know, is off parole and all that. Mom doesn't go to the mom doesn't go to Al-Anon, but my mom also has a she's very strong. She's got a very high resolve, and there is harmony in our family now. There yeah. was at, there was a time when there was no harmony. It was completely discordant but now there's harmony that's beautiful and hopeful thank you for saying that so what does Al-Anon say about alcoholics because like you just said you everyone (laughs) like your brother we're talking about heroin how terrifying you know that's entered our house as well so it's so this stuff is so terrifying and the kicker when it's in your family is that you love them you actually love these people so the desire to control and play god intensifies Yes. So what does Al-Anon say? Well, you actually didn't cause alcoholism. That's narcissistic to even think, right? Like, actually, yeah. I'm not that powerful. You can't control an alcoholic, and you can't cure an alcoholic. Now, all these things just kick your legs out as someone who loves an alcoholic. Yes. And what else it does is it when it says, like, well, I'm just going to trust God and humbly rely on him – well, that sounds really irresponsible, especially mm-hmm. as a parent or a brother or a sister. That shit sounds, um, yeah, I should be put in jail. I should probably have my kids taken off me. If the verdict here is, how about you just love him and and have God run his show? Why don't you just wrap him up in a little God blanket and, and lay him at the feet of God? That sounds like my kids should be taken off of me. But Mm. what do we have up until now? What do you have with your alcoholism up until now is that you have a lot of evidence before recovery of what Hank Parkhurst show looked like being run on your own. Right. What Agent X's show in my own recovery and now my son's act of addiction, what the show looked like, it didn't work. I've tried. I've fucking tried to run a show. Are you kidding me? I've tried to do all those things. Oh, you think it should bring him to me happy and joined, You know, like, like, oh, you think I should give him more boundaries and take his phone? Why didn't I think of that? Like, for fuck's sake, we're dying here. <laughs> yeah. Well, same with, like, I was estranged from my dad. My parents dad. just kicked me out. My parents kicked me out. Um, I lived with a coucher for a while. I was selling drugs to support myself. Eventually found my way back into my dad's house because my parents had separated. And that's when my alcoholism really intensified. 
got arrested a few more times. And one time I, one of my DWIs, my dad did not bail me out. Yeah. And that was my bottom, I guess you could say. And I did not get sober when I got out. I actually drank the day I got out of jail. Yeah. But, um, I had, there was a moment of clarity yeah. <laughs> in, in, in the jail. And, um, I think like a year and a half later is when I was actually in AA and interested, uh, like actually doing the shit. So yeah, they just kind of, they kicked me out. They let me get in my trouble. They let me experience my consequences, but they did not completely, you know, they did not stop all communication. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, See, but they weren't people, an ally at the time. They were not doing some people at the just time. know though. Yeah. That's right. the whole point. There are people in this world yeah. who are just born knowing how to act. And mm-hmm. it's not me. I'm I wish <laughs> I thought, you know. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine. It's gotta be tough. <laughs> but in the whole world, there are people who know that are just instinctively born knowing yeah. how to navigate life in general. Right. Yes. And for me, I needed these clear cut instructions. I have to do all this fucking work to like just survive here. <laughs> like, yeah. like for me, existing isn't easy. And I have a daughter who just wakes up laughing, making you laugh, having the best time of her life. You know, no one's ever been mean to her because she just walks in a room and everyone's like, you're amazing. You know, she just she's really good at reading other people. She's really good at reading her emotions. She's really good at just living. And yeah. I just don't relate to that. I, I've never been really good at living. So when you're pr- oppositioning me that the way to freedom of self is through this God-dependent life, it sounds irresponsible and it sounds stupid and it sounds like a frim- flimsy read. Mm. So it says, the verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. And so take away the family. That's what you and I are doing every single day that we talk in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting about the word recovered, like being yes. a recovered. Modern AA is terrifying. <laughs> How are we so Holy How shit. are we here? Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was talking to someone the other day about like, it's so weird that the words in this book are so polarizing. <laughs> like, this is the only thing we're supposed to be doing here. Yes. So it's a wild proposition, isn't it? That yes. we have failed of our human resources. You and I have failed. All of our human powers did not get us sober. All of our willpower did not get us over. All of our best minds. And we have really fucking great minds. You know what yes. I mean? Um, we are capable of a lot of things except staying sober a day at a time. So now what? Well, it's a proposition <laughs> that my head to my heart is blocked off. Seriously blocked off. When Agent X leads from her head, it is of Agent X. And that bitch, Agent X, lives there, okay? She's wild. She makes terrible decisions. When I act out of my heart, it comes from God. And that person who lives within me, wild, that bitch does some insanely nice things. And it's not of me, meaning like two people 
at different times last week called me the kindest person they've ever known. And I <laughs> fucking kid you not, I looked behind me. I was like, who are you talking about? <laughs> because yeah. before recovery, I was not a kind person since I was five years old. Right. I'm nor I. I am chaos, bruh. Chaos. Yeah. And so the new person who sits here is not of my own willpower. I'm not like, let's be nice today. I used to see kindness as a form of weakness, right? Disgusting. Mm. Yeah. Now I genuinely give a shit about how you are. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, and I love this. So this sentence, all men of faith have courage. So I... The entire process of the steps of doing all of the steps thoroughly takes a shit ton of courage. I think you would agree. So, I mean, you don't like, want to do you know, any of this. Absolutely. Exactly. So like, you bulk you know, you every go to your step. first. Yes. yes, exactly. Every step. Right. So you go to your first meeting that takes a little bit of courage. Someone gives you some coffee and like a cookie and they'll pat you on the back. How are you doing? Whatever. Great. Okay. I've been to my first meeting and, you know, someone gave me a brownie and that like, now what do I do? <laughs> So eventually you take step one, right? Which is a, a wait, wait, wait. Class. There's so much more courage here than you know. No, 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 I know, over. I know. I, I was gonna consolidate to sponsor them. Oh, That's yes, yes. Like Absolutely. asking a bitch out on a date. That was horrible. <laughs> well, I say that the first time because actually when I did the work, someone approached me as they should have. But I had to right. call her to set up the time. Walking into an AA meeting is a terrifying experience. I yeah. think that's that takes more than courage. That takes a wild desperation to live just to go. And see, I was court of- ordered, so oh, I like yeah, easier. So I kind of had like I had no choice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had no choice. I had a dilemma, but I wasn't even aware of what the dilemma was. It was like, why do I keep getting arrested? You know, I did yeah. not know that. I was not accepting spiritual help, right? I was trying to go on to the bitter end. My dilemma, the dilemma in the second step, I was just still going on to the bitter end, but I had no idea that I was doing that because I did not know what alcoholism was. So yes, I was court ordered and yes, there was lots of nerves, but I I was also terrified of all of the legal trouble that I was in mm. as well. Yeah. So were you approached by a sponsor? I asked him. Um, after going to a few book study meetings, I was, I was hitting the book study meeting at this group in Little Elm, Texas. If anyone wants to go, I don't live there anymore. I don't <laughs> so, live there anymore. It's a great group. So you won't so find you won't, Hank. You won't find me there, <laughs> but it's a great group. And, uh, one of the gentlemen that was doing the big book study there, uh, I asked him to sponsor me after about four, four months of just kind of hitting meetings and sharing a bunch of bullshit god mm-hmm. there when you re, when i realized that i was that guy that people were rolling their eyes at uh, god i was, was so was, cringe i was so Ugh. humiliating <laughs> how did they let me yeah. stay they I added know. a clause in the format to not cross talk because i used to just fucking talk at people all the time yeah. i used to like cut newcomers off sometimes if they were talking random bullshit because the old timers would cut me off all the time so they thought i yeah. thought i was like that's what you do if they're talking bullshit you just cut them off like agent x you've been sober like 40 seconds could you not tell other people <laughs> what to do here <laughs> but i understand you know what i did understand after step four something 
I did understand this and I did get AA pretty quickly because I was taking through the book so quick. I yeah. understood that if I, that I, I'm the problem. When we went through this inventory process uh, uh, at the end of step five, like uh, I had a began to wake up. That's what it is here. And in AA, like we're talking about, I don't know what we're all doing collectively in AA anymore, but one through three, we all kind of do the same thing. And then four through 12, is just a fucking shit show. We're all doing something else. I don't think it matters how you're taking through the steps. As long as if after five, something has happened to you in your mind. If yeah. you begin to have a different perception on yourself, God, and other people, you're doing a great job. And <laughs> I feel that God will keep you sober if you are willing, no matter what your sponsor is doing. So I've seen people kept sober a very long time going, I don't know, I'm not doing the same thing you are. My my sponsors bring me through the 12 and 12, but they've been kept sober because they're willing to do this stuff, you know? Sure. So it doesn't really matter how you're being, being brought through. If you are willing, you will be kept sober. And that's yeah. just the verdict of the ages including meeting makers. And I hate to say it, but if they aren't presented with anything else and they're willing to go to these meetings and they're willing to do what other people are telling them and they're willing to show up, they have been kept sober forever and ever and ever. Mm. I need more comfort than that. But um, willingness is the key. And it says it all over the book, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> and half measure, half measures avail us nothing as well. But I, I think meeting makers uh i don't know that all of them are alcoholic. alcohol <laughs> i say we're top heavy with heavy drinkers top but i know heavy. i know real alcoholics who are very enthusiastic about going to meetings it's not mm. all they all that they do they've done the steps and they you know they do have service commitments they may not sponsor but they do have service commitments but they're really involved with you know the meeting running smoothly fellowship after the meeting all the all that stuff they're really into and they're they're okay they're happy and i'm not right. gonna you know i'm not gonna tell them like hey dude you're you're gonna drink or you're, gonna, you're doing it <laughs> wrong you know what i'm saying so um yes there are those meeting makers as well right um, uh it says we never apologize i'm a meeting maker too by the way are you i go to meetings, I go to meetings as well yeah <laughs> So I'm not. Well, I'm, I'm I'm half kidding, but yeah, I do go to. Meetings. I'm like so plot twist. I'm not. Um, yes. I don't tell people the very. I remember when I found out my sponsor went to three meetings a week. I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Like, you're gonna drink again?" Because at the beginning, I feel like you need to take on every. If you take on every suggestion you hear in AA, again, it's a willingness thing. I went to 90 meetings in 90 days. I also did all my steps in that time. So at 91 yeah. days sober, something had happened to me. Um, yeah. If you go to 90 meetings in 90 days, you will have heard something about recovery within that time. You will have heard the 12-step message somewhere in there. You will meet people who have recovered from alcoholism. So 90 and 90 um, – it says in the book why it's a rehab solution. Well, because if you have real alcoholism, you can't stay sober 90 days comfortably and you'll be back in rehab. It's like a plug to go back into treatment, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's very smart. Yeah. I wish I was shady so I could run a rehab. Oh, God. Right? I know. Yes. 
I also so, want to be a drug dealer. Danny, That's a Danny and twist. I have joked about doing like opening up a sober living home. <laughs> oh, well, that and be a drug dealer. Here's why. Because I'm going to leave yeah. you my card. Like, oh, you're going right. to do drugs no matter what. But if you want to get off, I'll sponsor you for fun and for free. So like, yeah. if someone's profiting off your addiction, it might as well be me. <laughs> like, and I'll yes, help at the end. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. We're running a we're running a fifth step deal right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we can funnel them into our rehab at the end, and then when that doesn't work, then we sponsor them. God, yes, genius. See, don't yes. tell me I'm not fucking smart and that I don't have like <laughs> self will. You've got genius. that alcoholic brain. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is this paragraph asking us to do? It's saying. We just finished a fear inventory and we just finished a resentment inventory. And at yes. the end of these two things, we see that we are really plugged up from our head to our heart. We're really yeah. fucking hurt. We're really angry. We're really scared. This yes. whole and, it, thing- and it took, sorry, it took courage to write this inventory, right? which, which has, you know, for me, everything that took courage in Alcoholics Anonymous did grant more faith because it like especially amends in the fifth step and that shit that I was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Or like, I knew why I was doing it, but like, I, you know, I always had the thought that it was going to go bad. And then you realize, right. With courage, you do it. And then you realize that God is freaking, he is work. He's working all of this. He hmm. is running the shit. I, I, there's literally nothing I can, I, I can't even put into words like what he has actually done for me. Right. Mm. He's so beyond whatever I could ever scheme up or plan. And that, so if I continue to have the courage to keep doing this stuff that makes me sometimes uncomfortable, especially with step work, my faith is just going to keep growing and growing and growing. Right. And I'm just, I'm, I'm going to become more and more reliant. Like God's doing everything. I, I literally, <laughs> yeah, I we just I, turn up. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> No, I'm half but, kidding when I said that. But no, but that we're not. Courage, right? We're not. You yeah. and I didn't plan what we were going to talk. We say a prayer. That's what happens. Yeah. And here we are an hour right. later with a lot of, um, a lot of evidence and experience of working the twelve step program in our lives. Yes. So, so we just turn up and keep doing the things that are laid out in front of us through these clear cut instructions. That takes courage. The first time yes. I. I had any faith was when my sponsor described to me the word phenomenon of craving. And I was like, the fuck you just say, bitch? Like, yeah, Yeah. I have that. Why hasn't any doctor ever told me that before? Why hasn't anyone ever told me that before? That's why I can't hit my drink number, which is seven. Like, why why couldn't I do that? No one ever explained that. So (laughs) the faith is built on a fact of alcoholism. Right. That the logical all- explanation of alcoholism, the doctor's opinion, which I, I, I'm totally with you there. Like the phenomenon of craving being a doctor's opinion. Like I was like, okay, well I'll trust him. Right. Like maybe I do have that and maybe that's what's <laughs> going on. And I'll, I'll, it's a doctor's opinion. So, okay, we can start there, but yes. yes. like faith. So it gives me a little bit of faith that this bitch in front of me with her big book, who I don't like her smiling and big white teeth, like, stop, you love me? (laughs) Disgusting. I'll change that real quick. Like, oh, you care about me? (laughs) Let me fuck this relationship up. I did the steps to prove her wrong. But. Wow. Yeah. I know. But 
when she said these factual things, it gave me a little bit of faith that maybe she knows something I don't. And yeah. if I'm going to prove her wrong, I knew I had to do everything she says. You can't just tell me how to bake a cake. And I'm like, oh, let me wing it. You know, I'm going to do right. if I'm if I'm going to prove you wrong. That's how you disprove theories in science. Like, it's just how you make a hypothesis work. We'll fucking recreate it completely. So right. sometimes when people are really against this, I'm like, just prove me wrong. Just do the stuff and go wild, you know, with trying to prove that it doesn't work. So. The, that's the first time that we have faith and courage is um, coming into AA. And then we do that third step. And I don't know anyone who's had a really blinding white light experience during a third step. I thought it was stupid. But yeah. that the instruction is not to have an experience during your first step three. It's to give you a taste of what your life is going to look like on a daily proposition that God's going to run your show. Yeah. And it's not easy. This shit isn't easy. It doesn't say it anywhere. It's simple. No. You fucking sucked at running your life, Agent X and Hank Parker. Hence yep. the mug shots. Like, let me show yes. you. I like whip out mug shots like a, a pregnancy ultrasound. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. ran a shitty show. And right. so everything I tried to do to help my son and control my son has be it's a shitty, painful show. Mm. So what is the instruction? Stop playing God. It says a first yeah. requirement is be we be convinced that any life run on self will can hardly be a success. That's a requirement to and recover. I love that word hardly. So it was defined to me by my sponsor as um, marked by difficulty or awkwardness. So if you are still trying to run life on self will, your life is going to be difficult or awkward, right? And I, it was I awkward love... yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, no. I mean, and, and there, you're still going to have difficult and awkward moments, even if you're doing God's will. But I always, I love that they define hardly, right? It can hardly be a success, right? So, and I, and I just, if I was to just imagine what my life would be if I was still out there doing the shit, it would be, in, I would probably be dead. But if I was alive, very difficult, very, my life was so difficult and so mm -hmm. awkward before I got sober. It, I mean, just all the legal trouble, the, the relationships that were just up in flames. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I, I was afraid to walk into a grocery store cause I didn't know who was going to see me. Me you too. I fucking Difficult. hated grocery shopping. Difficult. I was, Awkward. You're like going around <laughs> the aisles, dude, yes. all the time. And it's so funny for years, years, I would go to the grocery store and, and have the conscious thought, no one here hates me. I haven't yes. harmed any of you. The yes. conscious thought of grocery stores and like, I am really free to look at this bread here. That's weird. This milk is causing me no pain. Just sitting in a grocery yes. store. I haven't hurt anyone. Yes. It's a right. brand new way to live. It's, it's much better. Much highly recommend. Highly highly recommend. recommend. <laughs> <laughs> so when we get to this part of the book, you know, we also looked yeah. at fear. And the first time, I don't know about you, but it took me a couple of months to actually have that to understand the fear that was running my show. Um, I under I really understood the resentment because I've been angry since I was five and, and God really needed to re reveal to me that this anger could have a different perception and, mm -hmm. and that the anger can go away with a change of perception. That's what really had to resonate with me because I was so angry. I was violent. I was I was drinking myself to death based on the anger. And so I had to see like that there with a change of perception there's a better way. 
Um, and the fear, and I was like, no, I'm not fearful. Turns out that's what's driving the anger. Turns out that I had 34 years of evidence as to why the show is so shitty because I was running it. That's why you're so afraid, Agent X, is because for 34 years, your show sucked. 34 years, you should be afraid. If I run the show today, I get evidence of what it looks like, and it still sucks. Nothing has changed. I haven't graduated. When I get fearful, I want to control the situation. I think Mm -hmm. the problem is too big for God or too small, and he doesn't need to be concerned with it. Yeah. So I get my hands in there. You know, I want to control you because I care. You know, let me tell you how to run the show. Even though I have all these years of evidence of how it's going to not turn out well. So I'm afraid because I had no power other than myself. And when I'm run on my own power, it's not a success. So I have a lot of failures to look back on. Um, So today it tells us specifically how to match calamity in our life with serenity. We're just going to go back up a little a, a little paragraph. <laughs> it says, just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him. So this comes to the point of irresponsibility again. Yeah. God's will, God's will, God's will. But right. here's the thing is I don't have an – it's the only thing that's worked for me, Hank. Yeah. But I'm not trying to apologize for my dependence upon God. I have a lot of evidence of what it looks like. My favorite AA member in the world. People think he's angry, but that's uh, why he's my favorite. He said to me, he said, keep your head down and help the drunk in front of you. It's your primary purpose. Worry about that and God will take care of the rest. And I've been doing that for a lot of years and I've had a lot of calamities over the years. Yes. And the outcome for every single one has been serenity every time that I've kept my head down and helped the drunk in front of me as my primary purpose. It says it in step three that if I keep close to God and do his work well, he will take care of the rest. Right. I've done it with financial calamity. I've done it with moving. I've done it with staying sober. I've done it with children. I've done it with my partner. Woo! We almost divorced once. Like, (laughs) maybe twice. Let's not lie. Um, (laughs) I've done it with, you know, we're talking financial calamity, you know, losing jobs, moving states. all I have is the evidence of keeping my head down and helping the drunk in front of me and having God do the rest. That's all I can. I don't, I can't sell anything else. One of my, one of my favorite parts in the book is at the end of we agnostics. And it, it just talks about how the minister's son uh, and how, he, you know, God hasn't done anything for me. And it tells how he falls out of bed one night and he just, and he has this experience Um and then it says, thus, our friend's cornerstone was fixed in place and no later vicissitude has shaken it. And uh, it was explained to me that a vicissitude is is basically the ups and downs of life. So there are going to be vicissitudes. That's going to be ups fucking word. and downs. But if your cornerstone is in place and what is the cornerstone? It's step two, right? Came to believe that a 
power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We're relying upon a different power now. So if we're relying on that power and we've got this courage and we're doing this work and we're, we're, the faith is growing, right? The ups and the downs are not going to shake that foundation or that cornerstone, Yeah. right? So yeah. it's just, and, and I think you mentioned that earlier, right? It's just reaffirming the same stuff again and again, it's just like uh, when they talk about the sex inventory, if sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into working with others. Focus mm-hmm. on the drunk in front of you. Where are you at in your steps? Are you doing 10, 11, 12? What are your service commitments look like, right? Are you relying upon God? Because sometimes the reliance, you can't just say I'm reliant. You have to show through action, of course, that you you are reliant, right? And you have faith, right? Um, are you going to those sorted spots to help another drunk? What, you know, what does your faith look like? So yeah, it's, it's. And all of this faith is in hindsight. So this is kind of, this is where it gets a little bit confusing (laughs) because, yes, because all the faith that you and I are selling, we aren't selling anything else. We've never actually been in a room together. We've never had a one-on-one conversation before me and you, by the way, but we're selling the exact same fucking thing, which again, just just signifies the miracle to me that you and I for fun and for free are talking about and selling the exact same fucking thing. Yes. Um, The harmony of common peril, common solution. Right. But it only comes from a place of hindsight. So it says, if you and I, if we can help you clear away prejudice and sweep Mm -hmm. away these old ideas that, that you're clinging to, that's our job. That's, that's what the fucking podcast is doing. Telling your, our experience in hindsight, because until you have your own experience with the steps, none of this is relevant. It doesn't fucking matter. Again, you aren't recovering listening to my recovery. It's like, you can watch me working out at the gym and I can tell you what I eat, but you (laughs) literally are not going to lose weight listening to right. that right. Uh, AA meeting is a bunch of people who work out and some that don't talking about how they work out or don't <laughs> and they get those results don't they yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah your our common friend uh his his little analogy about walking into a gym and seeing like the 10 different factions that that's I haven't heard that one go for it oh sh- oh god I'm gonna butcher basically you walk into a, a gym and one corner of the, the room is, is do, like doing yoga and they're kind of like into the, into that kind of stuff. You got CrossFit on one corner um, and they're, they're doing it one way. They're like really hardcore showing up every day, uh, really involved with CrossFit, obviously. Then you've got Pilates people over here. Uh, you know, we could, we, we could increase the list ad infinitum, yeah. but in one corner, there are people and they're just holding these books and they're talking about the books and they seem stable and happy and, you know, like, and, and they actually want to help you. Yeah. Um, but when you're new, you, you're exposed to all these different ideas and all these different factions for, for lack of a better word um, within Alcoholics Anonymous. And it's like, well, who, who am I going to approach? Like yeah. which, which one is the right one? Is there a right one? So he tells it better and it makes more sense. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's essentially what it is. There is so much going on in a room of AA and so many yeah. things being spoken that I feel like 
uh, God was just kind of gifted all of us to each other in 2020. And I don't know about you, but what it did is it completely softened my heart and my soul around Alcoholics Anonymous, to be honest. We all got put into a room together and we had this meeting, Black Rhinos, and every week we were just like, solution, solution, solution. But we weren't really talking to newcomers. It was all just like hyping each other up. And it was so fun. It was the most fun I've ever had in Alcoholics Anonymous. And then I was like, God actually needs me to go do shit outside of hyping each other up. And and it yeah. softened my heart. It was like, it was like, this is a solution. You know it. Here are other people you've never met with the solution. Um, go give it to the people who need it. And um yeah. and there's been a real softening in my recovery over the past couple of years because I just want to be of service today and this works. And so I'm going to have this little podcast, which is just the funnest thing in the whole world where I can talk about the solution to Alcoholics Anonymous with other people who sell the solution in Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, for fun and for free, just the way it's laid out in the book. And hopefully that's the evidence needed to have some courage to have your own experience with this book. You and I, I, uh, our friend says, you know, you don't have to give it away to keep it. You have to give it a give it away to get it. Everything that I know about AA is as a result of me giving it to another person. My sponsor gave me about one percent. God bless you, Becca. But um, how much of your AA recovery is based on the experiences that you have walked through in with AA instead of what has been taught to you? It's almost completely limited to the experience of of trudging the road. Right. I mean, he was the guide. He showed me the directions. He showed he showed me what to do and he told me how to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. But which is what the book was saying. And then I had the experience. Right. And he wasn't there. He wasn't there for a lot of the experiences <laughs> that I had, which is great. You know, one percent. Yeah. One percent. We yes. are just showing up. <laughs> To show you where the instructions are for you to have your own experience. Yes. And then you get to be the one to come back around and explain your experiences to help other people to have their own. I'm just a conduit. Like, I'm going to connect you to your higher power as quickly as possible so you can have a relationship with your higher power. It has nothing to do with me. (laughs) Like, If it was any more than 1%, I would not want to do it. No. No, I wouldn't. That would be horrible. Yeah. I, I can't spawn. I cannot, I'm not a doctor. I cannot give you therapeutical advice. I'm never, I'm never going to tell you how to live your life. Yeah. Um, I will simply make suggestions and read this book to you. <laughs> yeah. But I will do it, you know, willingly and with, you know, with, with and an open mind and, and with a great attitude. Right. I'm not going to act like it's a chore because it's not at all. No. And because, the more- because it's, I'm not doing anything else. Right. I'm not, I'm not your life coach. You know, I'm not your doctor. I'm just, I'm just a messenger. I'm, I'm a guide of anything. Yeah. I have no power over alcoholism. And if I try to have power in my life becomes unmanageable, even in your life, you know, even in sponsees lives. So I'm just going to read to you where I followed the instructions. And if you go do that, you're guaranteed to have the exact same experience that me and Hank <laughs> did on our own without anyone else there. So this is a literal statement is what we just read this. We aren't even, we aren't even doing the fear prayer because I feel like that's a whole nother episode and we're, we've gone over an hour already, but the verdict of our life is that, you know, we have courage, courage to stop running the show. And now we have some evidence of how fucking great that is. Yes. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Well, 
100%. And I agree that it was wonderful talking to you. And that went very, very, very fast. Thank you, everyone, for listening to That's Not in the Book. You can reach out to either of us at that's not in the book at hotmail.com. Uh, please share our episode. Uh, tell a friend because I do absolutely nothing to share that podcast if you'd like to donate as well it costs a lot of money to keep it running but whatever i still have dinner so you know whatever you need thank you guys so much for listening we'll see you again next dude have you even read the fucking book Read the fucking book?